1: You have permission to dream again. You have permission to m- write these big audacious goals and dreams and believe that they can actually happen for you. Our mission is to redefine what it looks like to travel. It just seems like the image of travel always marginalizes a group of people, which is plus size people in a way. So where all you see on advertisement and stuff is usually some straight body fit person. Like That's, that's what it is. And so... We wanted to change that narrative. I'm not here to promote obesity. I'm here to promote people to live life now. That was a clip from my interview today
0: with Jeff Jenkins, who runs chubbydiaries.com, an online community for plus size travelers who are passionate about seeing the world. And I'm always inspired by people that are working to change the narrative, to make travel more accessible for everybody on a broad scale. And Jeff... Certainly inspires in this interview. He talks about his journey going from working as a teacher for almost a decade, what kept him in the job for so long, and how he was able to transition out to something else. He shares when and how he got hit with the travel bug, his three can't miss destinations, and some advice and education around plus size travel that goes. For everybody, whether you are a plus-size traveler or not, he's got a lot of wisdom to share in this interview, and I know you're going to dig it. Plus, I'm going to share a little bit of wisdom that I gleaned from a recent article that was published in The Guardian, 100 Ways to Slightly Improve Your Life Without Really Trying. What a compelling title, and I wanted to share my five favorites in this show. So All of that's happening, and much more, and it's happening right now. Hey, hey, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. So excited to have you here today. As you heard at the top, got a wonderful guest, Jeff Jenkins, such an incredible guy. And I was excited to dig into the journey that led up to what he's doing right now so if you're listening to this and you're somebody who is making a transition to a next thing i just think there is so much to learn from others who have made a transition from one sort of chapter in life to another and jeff had a whole chapter working a full-time job as a teacher and we talk about how he utilizes some of the skills that he learned there with what he's doing now, and how tough that was to kind of break free of that. We might call it the golden handcuffs. He had the benefits, the stability, the safety net, and the security that comes with a job like that. Perhaps it's the perceived security, depending on how you interpret that in this moment. And there was a lot to unpack, so we get into that and much more here in this interview. And I love Jeff's motto Live life now. Three simple words really meant to challenge us to meet ourselves, where we're at right now in this moment. And what can we do to live life now? Some words to ponder as we go into this conversation. Stick around on the back end. I want to share five of my favorite ways to slightly improve your life without really trying. And we're also going to leave you with a quote Now let's slip and slide into this interview, and I'll see you on the other side, my friend. My guest today is the inspiring Jeff Jenkins. He is the founder of ChubbyDiaries.com, an online community for plus size travelers who are passionate about seeing the world, experiencing new foods, and learning clever hacks along the way. His work has been featured by Google, USA Today, Travel Noir, and Forbes. Jeff, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend.
1: Appreciate you. Thank you for having me, Jason.
0: Yeah, good to have you here especially early in the morning for you in Austin, Texas. I know. And yeah, I can hear the, uh, the garbage truck going by
1: right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's when you know it's early, right? Yep. And uh, you know, I don't know if it's too early for this, but I I wanted to talk about your time as a choir director. Maybe okay. maybe maybe sing a few bars. I don't no, know no, later. We'll no, see what no happens. bars will be sung. I can tell you that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was what was that experience like? Cuz you had a uh, you know, a whole Life, I, so like, yeah, whole musical life,
1: right? Yeah. Before you're doing what you're doing now, so yeah, I grew up singing, uh, in, in, in choir and stuff like that. And I actually went to school for business, uh, I switched from business to music education or I switched to music. But my director uh, of the music school uh, was like, Hey, you should do education just because you can have something to fall back on. So I never wanted to be a teacher. Uh, but he added that to it. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm doing this. And so when I graduated, I was able to get a job because the job and security money sounded great uh, after being a broke college student. So I ended up doing that for nine years, but it was like almost every year I was like ready to go. Um, But it it was, it was, it was a great experience to where like, I love the fact that I got to be the person that taught kids like how to read music and sing and, um I mean i it was definitely over thousands of, of kids or people that I've worked with uh through my time of like being a choir teacher because I even did it uh at church and stuff too and so um but it was very challenging uh being in the public school system here in the states um is definitely a challenging thing uh it wasn't the kids as much as it was like administration um and there was a lot of different politics and stuff going around I just always felt like they were, honestly, in a way it was oppressive. They're a killer of dreams. And I feel like that's what definitely was happening. And I knew I wanted to do more, uh, even with my students, but I always kept being met by some kind of roadblock. So can't do that. Can't do this. And I was just like, man, well, I don't think this is the job for me anymore. And so, um, I finally mustered up the courage to quit.
0: Yeah. What was that process like for you? Did it take a while to kind of, come to terms with letting that go and starting something new
1: yeah it took nine years (laughs) oh you 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 think you were uh kind of on your way out the door the first year oh the first day really yeah i literally was like "Mm, this ain't for me i i I knew it then like i was like there got to be another way of making money but that that security is is so 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 uh like like in not even important. It, was, it felt important back then, but just having security was like everything that I wanted at that time. Um, benefits and all of that stuff. Like if I got sick, I can go straight to the hospital. Honestly, it actually started because uh, I kept putting it off every year. It, just, it kept working like that. It was like, oh, I quit this year. Oh, I quit in a year or two. Like It kept being that. And then my students um, that I had like freshman year was like, you can't leave until after we graduate. So I was like, oh, I feel the pressure of that my wife actually said that she wanted to become an entrepreneur and i remember how i think I, I don't think i responded in the most positive way towards her and i was like you want to be a what i was like what so i'm in my head thinking like having to process her becoming an entrepreneur and i actually did come to grips with it very quickly i just needed to time to think about it and i ended up resigning before she did so once uh, she started thinking about it, it started making me think about it. And I was like, you know what? I don't have to do this. So, hmm. where did you guys meet? We met here in Austin. How did that go down? I man, we were at a conference, and it was actually like a a little like mixer singles conference kind of thing. And and I got to meet her there, and I was like, oh man, she's hot. I Actually, she met me before. She's seen me before I saw her because I sung on stage, and so uh, that's where she saw me and and so she knew who, who I was, but I didn't know who she was. And so uh, we became good friends. And then from there, we became husband and wife. Yeah. Congratulations. That's awesome. How do you fix the
0: school system? I know this isn't really a travel podcast topic, but I'm just curious about your thoughts about the things that you saw broken. You talk about like, you know, the dream killer. That's, that's just heartbreaking to think about kids in school getting their dreams crushed. Like what?
1: They did like this one study where they gave kindergartners a piece of paper and they told them to create stuff with that piece of paper. The kindergartners can come up with an uh, average of 100 things. Uh, they gave that same test to 12th graders and uh, those 12th graders can come up with an average of five things. So it just showed you how creativity through the years, uh, as you matriculate through school, continues to just kill, like, creativity and dreams. So I don't know. I think one thing that has to happen, and I always say this, is that um, our government, the people that are, like, making decisions about uh, teaching need to be teachers or people that have been in school systems or has been a teacher in some kind of capacity at some point in their life because I always feel like the decisions that are made always come down to, like, politicians, people who have never been in schools, um and then also the schools the politicians who have actually like if they are politicians and they're making the decisions about schools a lot of times these politicians come from like higher ses uh so a lot of them uh even the kids where their kids go are in more uh, higher income areas than the lower income areas and so how they think their school or their school is going uh, and for their child might not be the same way it is in like a title one school. So I feel like a lot of that just has to change and give teachers and, and school schools more uh, because usually like a superintendent, a lot of superintendents and stuff like that. They were teachers at one point in their life, too.
0: So. All right. So, yeah. Day one, you were kind of <laughs> you were done, but nine years carried you through. And, and and it sounds like the the biggest reason was you mentioned like sort of the benefits and, and kind of that that stability why was that so important to you in that time? I know it's important to everybody, but a lot of times when it comes to getting out of a job, there's always like one or two things that are really the thing that
1: keeps you in more than anything else. And it sounds like that was that for you. Yeah. I started building a life and I I had a a new, new wife. Uh, I think we were married a year and a half uh, after I quit. So there's that and having a house that I bought and, like I got all these things that I have like acquired uh, through teaching that had, it was bills, bills had to be paid. And so I think having the money to be able to consistently pay those bills, because I, I, I'm i always a, I'm still a type A person. So me making sure that I have the discipline to pay whatever that needs to be paid, I want to make sure that that's paid. Had a car, uh, so paying the car note. So it's, it's it was all of that. that all the responsibilities. To, yeah. Yeah. Adulting so yes. fun sometimes
0: sometimes <laughs> well uh, yeah, because part of your your story, as I was doing some research for the interview, you mentioned that you were homeless at, at one point with your family and and I was wondering if you're comfortable sharing a bit about that and and how much I'm sure that also impacted you know the the decision making process when it came to leaving a job if you came from you know maybe there was some not as much stability as you had in your current job I'm not sure if those two things are related or not, but I just wanted to hear your thoughts
1: well yeah I always tell my my mom like she went from zero to to travel but no, she she went from zero to like really doing a good job for herself and I think having a home and having like stability being able to go from being homeless because by that time my mom was uh in an abusive relationship and she was like running away from them and Try to kill us like when we first uh, or like that day we were trying to leave him or she was trying to leave him. Her going from that to having being a regional manager for a major food chain and not us having like a really nice house and stuff like that. So I was like, I like like this side. I don't like that side. So it's like, how do I continue to get that? And I like that. I liked having the finer things in life in a way. Uh, So I feel like that did play a role in it. And I, I had this image or vision of like what I wanted, marriage-wise and and family-wise, and like I just wanted to make sure that I had that like that quote-unquote American dream in a way. Thanks for sharing that. I'm wondering how you ended up
0: in travel. You know, when you quit a job and get into entrepreneurship, I mean, there are certainly you know a lot of directions to go. I mean, you could you could have done some things in music, I'm sure, and I
1: mean, there's millions of things to do, right? So what? When did travel become a thing for you? Well, travel became a thing in college, actually. Honestly, I was basing even a lot of stuff that I was doing, even when I, I went from doing business to music, to where I wanted to travel around the world then, um, if I could. And I thought music was just definitely one of those ways of doing it. And I don't think I've ever said that until now, but I definitely know that was one of the main points. But I wasn't traveling until I didn't go on my first international trip until my the end of my sophomore year in college. And that's when I went to Japan, and that's when I got hit with the travel bug. Uh, And that was the first time I ever got on an airplane. Um, And, like, I I just I loved it. I really did. And uh, I wanted to do more of it. I wanted to explore more. I always had this, like, adventurous, like, side to me. And uh, I would travel around the States all the time, um, but I never – and especially in Florida, I was going to almost every city in Florida as much as I could. Um, but, yeah, I did a program in college that actually gave me the opportunity to do it to where I, before I graduated, I went to almost 14 countries. I think I was at 14 countries um, and me doing that. Like, really, I became the travel guy. Like, that's what people knew me for. Like, a lot of my friends, when they first met me, they was like, oh, wait, where did you just come back from? You came back from Japan? Came back from Germany? What? What's going on here? And so, like, I just became that guy. And even as a teacher, that was the best part of being a teacher. I, I did the math. And out of 12 months of work, teachers, uh, especially here in our county uh, or in, in Texas almost, they technically only work eight and eight and a half months out of the year. Um, so you got, you got holidays and summer break, uh, and I took advantage of those and I, and, and technically if you wanted to, you had like two weeks of like PTO in a way. Um, I took advantage of those too. I was working eight months a year. And so that's why that gave me the opportunity to travel on those holidays and those summers. You know, I know it's in American
0: work culture, having been part of it there, there is this weird thing that like. I feel like a subset of people don't take all of their vacation days and and don't take advantage of it all because it would like, I'm using air quotes, look bad or something. It's like, no, screw that. Like, you better take them all. I just talked about that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just talked about that yesterday at a conference I was at. (laughs) We'll be back in a
0: moment. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday Just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go to learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big! destinations on earth we're excited to partner with nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off the beaten path destinations to visit and there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 nissan pathfinder with seven drive modes the pathfinder's available intelligent four x four is built for even the most epic journeys and it even has the best towing capacity in its class up to six thousand pounds and enjoy the ride. Along the way, learn more at nissanusa.com. Now, back to the show. So, uh, what is your most memorable part of the Japan trip? The thing that started it all for you when you think back to that?
1: Man, I I mean, there's so many great moments for Japan. Like cuz it was I was with a great group of people. I got to go um with the program, we got to, there was the opportunity of going to Mainland Japan or to Okinawa, which is like a, a island right outside of the uh, south of Japan. It's like they're Hawaii. I wanted to go to both and I was like, ah, but they picked mainland Japan first. But literally two, three weeks in, I was there and then they was like, hey, we need you to go to Okinawa. So I got the best of both worlds. So that part was really cool. Um, I, I think the culture and the tradition like of J- Japanese people, like they, I always tell people it's the most foreign place I've ever been to. Although they're modern, uh, it's very foreign. Like you, you need to assimilate very quickly to their cultures and traditions because I mean they're so nice and neat. Like it's like the way that they present the food. You're just like, man, this is. Let me let me get my life together. Let me not do the chopsticks this way. Let me not leave a tip. Uh, Let me do my bows and highs. Like hi, hi, I mean hi means yes, but for some reason they say hi all the time. Like yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so I love, I love that. I love um, being there, and like it was nonstop pictures. Like people were like stopping and just taking pictures, or to come up to me and do some charades and ask me. So they asked if they of you. Know you were like a me. mini yeah. celebrity there, some yeah, and something. yeah. But they and they were doing it not just with me, with just the, the other folks that was there too. And then being able to hang out with people from. Because uh, the program was nationwide. So I was hanging out with a lot of people from Iowa and and California, Oregon. And I was like, yo, I ain't never did this before. So uh, that part was cool. A, a lot of people from Oregon and Iowa was like, hey, you're the black first, first Black person I ever hung out with. So to even get that cultural experience with them uh, was kind of dope, too. Well, let's talk about your c-
0: community. Talk, let's do it. I mean... <laughs> You could have done a lot of things in travel. I'm not sure if you, you started with that right away. I'm sure there was a bit of a process trying to figure out what you were going to do as an entrepreneur. It sounds like, all right, well, you were the travel guy in in college, right? So it sounds like that was a natural kind of conclusion for you. Like, hey, I'm going to do something in
1: travel. That's not how it first started. It first started with me no. doing... Well, honestly, I wasn't even trying to be an entrepreneur, to be honest. It was just the thought of me leaving that job and doing something else. And that's what... like. I was able to get my own like heart around. But I honestly, it wasn't until I met, I went on a mission trip uh, first and uh, to Africa. And while I was there, I realized me and my friends, we wanted to build water wells in this city uh, called Kajeo. We came back and was able to like build those. None of us was engineers. None of us knew how to even get water out of the ground. I didn't know how water came out of the ground. I was like, how does this happen? How did you do it? Yeah, man. Uh, this organization taught us uh, how to build wells for cheap. The process is not that hard. And we understood it and went back and tried to build, like we we were able to build one well, uh, but then COVID and all that hit. So we kind of stopped that later on, but I went on that trip. And then that next month I met uh, one of my best friends now back in 2017. Uh, his name's Roger Walker. He, the day I met him was uh the day we went to his home home housewarming. That's the word for it. Yes. His house warming. And he I asked him what he did and he was like, man, I don't do nothing. And I was like, what you mean you don't do nothing? And so he's a real estate investor and all of this stuff. And so he doesn't do much. Uh, but he also like sold books. And so I don't know, he that conversation with him took me over the edge of like fully committing to like wanting to do entrepreneurship. Like he told me he was the second dumbest person in the class, his class. So like to graduate. And he was like, so I'm not like the most qualified person on paper, but uh, he had a successful business. And so I was like, well, the second dumbest, and that's what he was trying to get at. Like, I was like, well, if he can do it, I guess I can do it too. And so I started doing Amazon books where I will resell the books on Amazon. And that was like my like risk free way of like building like uh building a business. And honestly it was going very well. Um I was doing good at it. It was like month after month I kept constantly growing money wise. Uh it was a lot of work, but it was still like I remember being there and I was just like, man, this, like this this doesn't feel impactful. This doesn't feel meaningful. Like I don't get to see the people who get the books, you know, like, cause they're doing it online. And I was like, man, I gotta do something. I want to do something else. And that's when I decided, uh, oh, I read this book and the book was actually talking about, like it was the keys to keys to the secret. Like it was like decoding the secret. And I read it and I, I couldn't put it down. And we got to the chapter about dreams. And I was like, man, I'm putting this book back down. And I put it down cuz I saw that chapter and I knew what it was fun to talk about. And honestly it was what we were talking about just now like like you stop dreaming. Um I stopped dreaming. I know that for a fact. But the the chapter was really talking about like, it's okay to start dreaming again. You have permission to dream again. You have permission to write these big audacious goals and dreams and then hope that they actually, or not hope and believe that they can actually happen for you. And so in that, it started making me thinking like, I was like, man, I wanted to be an astronaut back in the day. I wanted to to do uh like be a firefighter. I don't know. Like this is what kids say and stuff like that. So I was like, man, I I really settled. I settled a lot. And it made you write out 101 goals uh, that you wanted to do before you die. And they, wanted, they needed to be big and get you excited. And so almost every one of those goals, uh, I, w- I would say more than like 70% of those goals had to do with something in travel. Long story short, went to go build that first well. And while I was out there building that first well, I was actually very excited that we were able to take a... Uh, an organization from zero to something like, like to nothing, like it was nothing to something. And that part just like blew my mind. You know, like I was like, wow, we were able to start a little organization like what? So that gave me like even more confident. And so while we were there building that first well in Rwanda, Rwanda's considered the land of a thousand hills. And so looking out into the distance, I was like, oh my gosh, I think I want to travel the world. And get paid to do it and help people. And that was, that's that's when I committed then. I was like, well, that's what you're going to do. I didn't know how we was going to do it. But um, coming back, my friend, uh, she was actually a travel blogger. So it was her that actually got me into thinking about doing travel blogging and becoming like an influencer in a way. And she, she actually told me the week she was quitting her job, that that's what she was going to go do. And I was like, people do that? People get paid for that? So it was on that trip, and so, yep. That's long story, but that's how I got to getting into travel blogging. But after that, I knew that like once I started researching and doing stuff, every everybody kept being like, "You should get a niche. You should get a niche." So I was like racking my brain on like what my niche should be, and I thought it was going to be like just black travel because I'm a black guy, um, but. The one thing that my cousin, who's a PR rep, she gave me this like branding sheet to fill out. I filled it out. I was like, I don't think I got much out of it. And she was like, no, it's right there. She was like, you're fat and black. Talk about that. She was like, how many people talk about that? And I said, you are right. And then I really got caught up on just like the plus size, like being chubby and fat. It doesn't matter whatever word you want to use. Like it, it. I was like, yo, I don't know anybody talking about this. I was like, oh my gosh, I really don't know anybody talking about this. And I wanted to be unique in a way too. Like I wanted to be in my own kind of lane. And so uh, I knew I was on to something when we were able to figure out my niche. And then I went from there.
0: Yeah. Congratulations. I was... I I don't know if anybody listening had the same experience, but when you were looking out over the hills of Rwanda and recanting that story, I was getting, I definitely got some chills coming up and down my spine. You might've even seen me here on the video shudder a little bit because uh, what a moment, huh? To kind of look out and, and kind of have that realization. And now it's not just that you've built something in travel that's a business, but you're also making a huge impact, which sounds like it's always been a part of your life, right? Like even with the teaching, you might not want to bend there, but you're impacting these students' lives. And and now you're, you're doing it for plus size travel.
1: And mind you, I'm still a teacher technically,
0: you know? Yeah. Right. Just teaching something different. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. It's, you're using your skill set that you've developed, I guess, over the years. You know, I was looking at one of the testimonials on, on your site and, and I think this says a lot. This was, uh, from, uh, Liz, and I'll read it. It said, I'm sure you get this all the time, but I wanted to say thank you for being an unapologetic, chubby traveler. I love to travel, but really struggle and shame myself. I worry a lot about if uh, I will fit on planes, fit in seats, fit in the required uh, borrowed clothes. I saw your post about the wetsuit. It made me cry. I went to Iceland and wanted so bad to do a swim, but it required the use of a wetsuit. And, and there would be none for a person of my size. So I didn't do it. Hopefully you will inspire me to go back and do it one day. Thank you for being such a positive influencer. So I just wanted to share that one story to give you a little bit of insight into the type of impact here that, that Jeff's, uh, Jeff's making those things mean everything,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Those stories. I mean, sure it sure does. Yeah. Wow. I'll, I'll be forgetting about these testimonies sometimes. Mm. They're good to hear.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you are a teacher as we mentioned and and everything that you're doing. So I would love for you to give us some education around plus-size travel.
1: Like what should people know? The one thing I always tell people like our our mission and then our motto. Our mission is to redefine what it looks like to travel. The it just seems like the image of travel always marginalizes a group of people, which is plus-size people in a way. So where all you see on advertisements and stuff it's usually some straight body fit person. Like, that's that's what it is. And so uh, we wanted to change that narrative. We wanted to show you that um, majority of the people in America are considered uh, plus size or or, or obese uh, or ov- overweight or obese. So like we're already talking about a majority here and you can have whatever thoughts you want about it. Uh, I always tell people and, I, and I'll tell a story real quick that my one of my family members was like, well, why don't you just teach them how to lose weight? And you don't have to you don't have to have this like this site kind of thing. Right. And I was over there like, well, there's a whole bunch of other sites out there just for that. Like lose weight, feel great. Um, wait till you get to this weight. And I was like, there wasn't any like platforms that was talking to the people where they at right now. And and I always say our motto is live life now. So I, my my thing is, is that I'm not here to pro- promote obesity, I'm here to promote live people to live life now and I truly believe that like a lot of a lot of plus size people get caught up in their heads and uh, they know the fear of like embarrassment or being uncomfortable uh a lack of community size restrictions size limits uh weight limits like these are are things that they think about all the time and nobody wants to be isolated nobody wants to feel isolated nobody wants to feel embarrassed uh, people don't want to feel like, well, I actually have an, the same amount of fun uh, doing something. Like, even that young lady who, uh, Liz, who went to Iceland and couldn't do whatever activity swim because they didn't have a wetsuit for her size. And so, those are things to where, like, she might have felt one embarrassed and isolated. So, it was like, say, if she went with a group, everybody else is getting in, but she can't, you know? And that, that can be sad. And so, it's like, man, changing that narrative, changing, or well, not even just changing the narrative changing how tour operators and people accommodate four plus size people. Like all they, I mean, these, these tour operators, they could have just bought an extra uh, like wetsuit because they do make wetsuits in larger sizes. How I know, cause I, I wear them. Uh, and like, and I, and I will go back to the time where like representation matters, like people being able to see other people, on TV or on social media doing things will get them going. And and like, I mean, it'll, it'll inspire them to go do whatever that is. And so for me, like people being able to see me put on a wetsuit for the first time, I actually did a whole video of me just like putting on my wetsuit, like for the first time, like ever. I've never worn a wetsuit before. And I, I wanted to show people um, chubby stomach and all like, Hey, you can fit into a wetsuit. But I had to do my own research. I had to go. I went, swimming or did the cage diving with great white sharks in South Africa and I really that was on that 101 bucket list thing to do um I was like I'm going to do this you know and so I automatically assumed that they would not have my size for the wetsuit because I even looked it up online. So I got online on uh, Amazon and was like, hey, let's see if I can find a plus-size wetsuit. And guess what I did? I found it. I had it shipped to New York. That's where I was at at the time because it just dawned on me like, man, they might not have a wetsuit for me. So it dawned on me we was in New York for a couple of days. I had them ship the 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 wetsuit to my friend's house in New York. And and that's where I got my suit and I took it with me. So knowing that, knowing that there is those options and people actually seeing him, he in it for the first time, people was like, Whoa, I didn't know they made wetsuits for us. And so um, if tour operators and, and excursion people can find ways to accommodate, like they can buy a couple of extra extended sizes and them adding a couple of extended sizes could make them even more money, you know? because now there's a a group of people that have not like even thought about going, like they probably don't even know that they were even interested in going. Um, and now they can be able to go on it. So, and I feel like that's how I've been so successful in a lot of ways, because even with my consulting and things that I do, like a lot of businesses are always still trying to find ways to tap into a new market. And, uh, they didn't even realize that they were, um, marginalizing a whole group of people that have money. And so money talks. And so I, I really do feel like 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 a lot of travel companies and travel brands are definitely now getting into the uh plus size movement because like there's money to be made. The the fashion industry is a prime example of that they've made billions of dollars the moment they started extending their sizes companies that were uh, on their like brink of ending like a foreclosure and, and closing down like uh, not foreclosure bankruptcy they were able to rejuvenate themselves by actually starting to do um plus size clothing mm,
0: yeah and imagine i i mean i love the, that there's many aspects to your mission, right? You're helping individuals, plus-size travelers, em- empowering them, but also, like you said, changing the narratives and um, really trying to transform the industry, right? I mean, I'm, imagine how somebody would feel if they're if they were in that situation, like we talked about, where you're kind of like excluded from a group activity, and then on the other side, if you're able to change the narrative, like you said, or have a tour company get on board with the awareness and, and they're able to accommodate you know, that person's going to be probably a customer for life.
1: For sure. For sure. And they're going to go tell their friends.
0: Yeah. And tell their friends. Exactly. I wanted to ask you, this is maybe like a two-part question, but you know, one of the more common challenges is is flying, I'm sure. And you know, with airline seats, they're like getting notoriously smaller and less roomier for everyone. Uh, yeah, I'm just wondering if you can share some advice on like what somebody can do to improve the seating situation. And then on the other side, I, I want to speak from your experience. You know, when someone's approaching and they have a seat next to you, and you can tell like they're, they're not happy and what is going through their minds. You know, how how do you, how would somebody sitting in that seat, how should they respond? And what should they say to a traveler who, you know, they may be making uncomfortable because that's not, that's not a fair situation to
1: do to anybody, you know? So I always tell people the person that we should not be upset with is not the plus size person or the person that's not plus size. Like it should be the airlines. Like the airlines is at fault here. It's not us. Uh, And they, they're doing their damnest to make them as to fit as many people as they can onto a flight. First, I would say if you can sit first class, that's. I, I, I mean, that's not everybody's option. Like first class is definitely larger seats. It's like usually this typical standard size seats that that we normally sit in and on a daily basis. So, like being able to sit in that or being able to do the little upgrade to actually get leg room. The leg room helps a lot too. But um, like sitting in like. Comfort Plus or something like that. I always tell people, uh, look up the policy, the people of size policies on, on these different airlines. So like Southwest, their policy is like, uh, and I actually just did it for the first time um, uh, last month. But you can you can pay for a ticket in advance or go up to the ticket counter when you're checking in. And ask for the extra seat; they'll give you an extra seat for free. Or if you buy the extra seat online, you can you'll get an automatic refund the moment you get to the gate. Wait, wait did you just say an airline's doing the right thing? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Canada does it well. Canada, I, I love Canada's policies. They they definitely have them for everything. Um, but what I was saying was that, like, like yeah, they'll let you on early, and so you get an extra seat to your side, like, long as the flight's not sold out. And if it is sold out, they'll even put you on the next flight out. Um, so they'll be fine ways to accommodate you. And so I like that. Uh, and then other other airlines have something not similar, but they do have some, like, policies towards that. So I always tell people to look at that. If you get on those airlines where you're, like, trying out, like, I go up to the gate agent all the time, like, hey, is there anybody sitting next to me? And I just go ask them, man, they'll, they'll try their hardest to like find seats where it's like an opening to where it's like, you know, how like you can get on a plane and there's the middle seat open. Like, man, nobody talks to you then. Like everybody's happy at that point if you sit in with somebody else, but there's a seat between us. But yeah, like I always told people in uh, this story, I like sharing it. it like a, a guy who was a, a CEO. He was a very successful CEO. And former CEO, and he quit, started a new like nonprofit. And me and him were just talking one day, and he just started crying on me. And I was like, Wait, what's what's happening? Or he teared up. He was crying, but still he teared up. Let's say that manly man. He started tearing up on me and I was like, What's up? He said, You know what, buddy? He's like, Man, I've been traveling for over 30 years now. And this whole time, every time I saw like a plus-size person get on a plane. I always thought about myself and how uncomfortable I felt. And he was saying, It wasn't until I met you that I realized that, wow, these people that get on this plane actually might be more uncomfortable than me because they're even thinking about their comfort, but also my comfort. And he said, That blew my mind. And he said, I felt so, he said, I just felt so kind of uh, some kind of way about that. And he was like, Man, I was almost like not even treating people as human because I was trying to think about my comfort in that moment. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And so I like, get stories like that that you hear. Uh, and I, that's what I want to do. I want to humanize people. However you feel about whatever you feel about uh, when it comes down to weight, uh, we're still human, you know. And I feel like there should be some kind of decency in that. And I always tell people, don't blame the plus size person. Blame the airline. <laughs> We'll be right back. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day?
0: I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago. And immediately, I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour over, and French press all into one compact portable device. Sign up over there at zero to com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Let's get back to the show. Are there any other points we'd like to discuss around that 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 we may have missed? Or
1: well, I always say, man, like I mentioned it before, but like do your research, like getting that research in, asking companies before time, like before you even get there. Like, hey, do y'all have this size or like learn about the weight limits before? Because at the end of the day, like I like I say, the two things, I don't like feeling embarrassed and I don't like feeling isolated. So I will go, if I can't get on this, I find out what the weight limit is. I'll go find another activity and research another activity that I can do. I know you probably aren't like this, but other people are definitely like, I'll plan my trip when I get there. And I was like, That's, that definitely can set you up for failure in a lot of ways. I recommend having somebody help like plan the trip for you. There's travel advisors out there that do stuff like that. And and you just tell them your recommendations as well. Or tell them your your needs and they'll give you recommendations. Cool. What are some books you've read that have had a big influence on you? Uh, 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. That's at the top of the list. I'll tell anybody that. Me and my wife was doing these little cards the other day where it's like little conversation starters for couples. And that book was in there. And The moment she read it, uh, like, what what book impacts you the most? And she was like, the 10X rule. Like, she already knew. She already knew what it was. And I love that book because it automatically, it made me get out of myself so much in a ways to where it's like, like, I wouldn't be as successful as I am now if it wasn't for that book. Because, uh, one, it teaches you how to dream. And then whatever your big dream is, like, he wants you to times it by 10. And then how think about how hard, how long it'll take to actually get there. Think about how many obstacles can be in your way times that by 10. Like after you thought about it, you'd be like, oh, that's, that's a lot. Or like um, not even just that, like, the, like knowing that like obscurity, the biggest thing that like young brands face is obscurity. Like people just don't know who you are. And a lot of times people give up. And I've seen it so many times where people that are in like the travel space and like are trying to be uh, travel influencers or travel bloggers, they give up after going hard for like three, two to three months. And, and then they just stop because they don't see any results. And he tells you, Hey, push through that. They said on average, it takes four months of just nonstop, constant like posting, posting for people to just start recognizing you. And so it's like in those moments. And so like me knowing that, like that, that me preparing myself, he even talks about in the book, like, hey, what if like a global disaster happens and like we're all shut down and can't do anything. He made you think about that. And I felt like I flourished during the pandemic. And I already had that in my thought. Like that was a, a, that was a scenario that could happen. And I'm shocked that it actually did happen um a year later
0: (laughs) wow yeah cool i i haven't read that book so now it's going immediately on the on the list for me thanks for that share where everybody can find you just as a reminder and if anybody wants to get in touch or has any questions and then i do want to ask you about destinations
1: because you're a traveler so i I don't want to miss that to wrap it up oh for sure um TikTok is uh, Chubby Diaries. Instagram is Chubby Diaries underscore underscore. You can visit me on my website. And I do have a podcast as well called Inspire 2022. Or just look up Jeff Jenkins. You'll find it in there. So Chubby Diaries presents Spire. So you can definitely follow me there. How's the podcast going? How do you like podcasting? I actually enjoy it. I actually love talking to people. So like even talking to you right now, like I literally just rolled out of bed and I knew that being able to get on the phone with somebody or getting to be able to do this, this recording, I knew it would g- bring life. Like, I-, I want more moments like this, where it's like I can go meet up with friends and um, like just have coffee in the morning. That is that ex- that stuff excites me. So being able to have like coffee dates feels like with all these different people. It's been great.
0: Yeah, amazing. Uh, I'm sorry it's my face you had to see first thing in the morning. Oh, no, I love you know? it. What, what are you
1: going to And you're in Norway, bro. Like, like, how crazy is that? Like, man, I am talking to somebody from Norway. As a kid, like the thought of being like, yeah, just some days I wake up and, and talk to people from Norway. Like, what? I know. It's <laughs> crazy. Insane.
0: I'm trying to like let my kids know what's going on. Cause I'm like, Oh, this morning I'm talking to an Australian who was living on a boat uh, that's docked outside of Sicily right now. And I'm talking to, uh, this amazing guy who's, uh, inspiring people from all over the world. And he's in Austin, Texas. And after this I'm talking to somebody new, it's like, what? I feel like I'm a little, doing a little traveling here right now. I love it. I love it's it. A, it's a beautiful thing. So, well, let's, let me hear your three can't miss destinations. Now I know this is an impossible question because everybody has their own preferences. Always fun. Always fun to know you've been all over the world. So let me hear your three can't miss destinations for travel.
1: Yeah. Well, people ask me this too much, so I I can definitely answer it for you. Uh, Japan. Definitely top of the list. The one that started Uh, it all. (laughs) Yeah. um, Japan, uh, Croatia. Uh, I, I love me some Croatia now. And Uh, last but not least, New York City. New York City.
0: A perennial great. Come on. (laughs) Uh, It was such a pleasure to chat with you and I'm hoping we can catch up in person later this year. That's the goal. Of course, we'll leave the various links in the show notes that were mentioned here. Love what you're doing. I'm glad we finally got to get on the mics together and, and have a chat and to be able to share it with you and keep challenging the narrative, keep doing what you're doing. I'm so inspired by you and your work. So thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thank you, Jason. You're amazing. Appreciate y'all.
0: There you have it. Jeff Jenkins. Thank you so much. What a lovely guy. And I'd loved having this conversation with him and getting to share it with you. So thank you very much for listening. By the way, always love to mention this is a community-powered show. If you do want to get in touch, there's a simple link in all the show notes where you can click and just leave me a voicemail, 90-second voicemail or less, super easy to do, or you can drop me a line anytime. Jason at zero to travel.com is the email address. Always taking guest recommendations and trying to communicate to make this a two-way conversation, so please get in touch. Now, a couple things here before we let you go. I am going to share a quote to wrap this up, but I do want to share five fun and favorite ways to slightly improve your life without really trying. This was a recent article from The Guardian. I will link to it in the show notes. And, you know, some of these, uh, there's a lot of nice small things you can do here. And (laughs) funny story, when I got this, I sent it to my wife and there was one particular one on this list. That stood out to me, and I thought, oh, my wife should read this. And you know what? We talked about it last night, and she highlighted this one as well right back to me because she thought I should read it. So there's a little insight into our domestic bliss here. <laughs> I'll share that in a minute. So let me highlight these now. Number six on this list. Everyone has an emotional blind spot when they fight. Work out what yours is and remember it. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, That one's really stuck with me because if we're aware of that, then that can totally change the conversation in the moment. So that one had me thinking. Okay, number 16. Set aside 10 minutes a day to do something you really enjoy, be it reading a book or playing a video game, whatever it is you want to do. And when I read this, I said, you know what? I'm going to sit down and play some guitar in about an hour. And I think that is important. If we don't make the time for ourselves... I mean, how do we live life now, as Jeff said? How do we do that if we're not making some time for ourselves to do the things we really enjoy? Okay, number 17. This was the one that my wife and I both thought we should take to heart, and that is don't be weird about how to stack the dishwasher. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. You can imagine what kind of a dishwasher wars are going on in this house. Okay, number 22. Laugh shamelessly at your own jokes. I think I just did that. Nothing wrong with laughing at your own jokes. You got to be your own best uh, fan of your own comedy, right? So (laughs) feel free to laugh away at your own jokes. Number 37 and 34 kind of go... Hand in hand. So number 34 is go for a walk without your phone. And number 37 is if you're going less than a mile, walk or cycle. About half of car journeys are under two miles. Yet these create more pollution than longer journeys as the engine isn't warmed up yet. Well, that's one reason. Another reason why I like to walk if I'm going less than a mile is because it is a bit like a travel experience in some ways, right? Anytime you set out on foot, I know it's not always easy. It's always weird when I go to visit my mom in the suburbs in the U.S. and I walk to town, which is less than a mile, but nobody walks there. So it, it feels exotic almost. It's like, well, who's this guy crossing this major highway where you're not even supposed to cross? Why is this person walking around? They, they, they shouldn't be walking. This is, this is odd. Yeah, so I don't know. There's an element of quirkiness sometimes to walking in certain places where nobody walks, but there's an element of freedom to just walking out of your front door or if you're visiting a friend, walking out of their front door whatever and just walking and going without the phone if possible is always a nice thing. And I think I already went over my five, so sorry about that. I have one more to share and that's going to be a challenge for you today that I'll leave you with and that is number 60 excuse me 56 call an old friend out of the blue i know maybe that's the gen xer in me but i do this i love to call people up out of the blue so even if you're more of the texting type just call an old friend out of the blue today surprise them surprise surprise an old friend there you go all right i'll leave you with this quote to wrap up the show from cs lewis who said you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. I thought that ties in nicely with Jeff's motto of live life now. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a wonderful day, and I'll see you next time. Peace and love. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.